0: Welcome to Bangalore Revival Center. Here we dream revival and serve people with love. Today, Pastor Preji continues to teach from the healing series. Today, we get to learn how to receive healing through the spoken word from the story of one centurion who amazed Jesus through his faith. Hope this word will lift your faith. Are you ready to go into the word of God? Today we are going one step further we will uh, start with the book of Psalms. Let's go to Psalms chapter 107, verse 17 onwards. Let's read it together. The Bible says some were fools, why? Because they rebelled and they suffered for their sins. See, if you read this Psalm, you would see that the Lord is giving the entire history. You know, the Psalmist is giving the entire history of the people's relationship with God, how they related with God and how they experienced God and how they received from God and how they gave to God. And here we see the Bible is saying some of these people, some of these guys, they were? They were what? Fools. The Bible calls them fools. Why? What did they do wrong? Because the Bible says they rebelled. And in their rebellion, they were not, they were not being logical and rational and, and and great and good No, the Bible says they were being foolish When they were trying to rebel And because of their foolishness They rebelled And because of their foolishness They now suffered for their sins They suffered in their sins So You know, in the Old Testament, especially in the journey that these guys had all the way from Egypt to Israel, you would see that so many times they got attacked, so many times they uh, went through problems and challenges, and all of them were primarily because there was rebellion. All of them were primarily because there were disobedience. All of them were primarily because there was something or the other that didn't line up in their lives for God. You know, in this last season I've been studying the book of Kings and Chronicles You know, if you've been uh, reading the Bible portion that is shared on the church group every day, you know that we're going through the book of Kings and something that is very interesting about the book of Kings is you would see all these leaders of the nation, all these kings who died tragic death and if you study, their, study how they died none of them that walked with God died a tragic death. None of them could be killed by somebody else. You can go back and you know research and please let me know if I got this wrong anywhere. None of them that walked with God till the end had a bad ending. They did die like everybody else, but their death was not because somebody shot an arrow at them or because somebody killed them or because there was a sickness. No, their death was natural old age death. Nobody that walked with God had a sudden death. Now, I'm not making a general principle here because there is somebody like Uriah that we read about. And the Bible says he was faithful, he was loyal, but still he got killed in the battle because of somebody else's mistake. But you know that God didn't keep quiet about it. God picked up a fight with David because Uriah died outside of his, you know, uh, purpose, outside of his time but everybody else that did walk with God, they had a, they had a peaceful ending. And I, I, I choose to believe that it is possible for our church to reach that place where we will walk with God in such level of submission, such level of obedience, in such level of alignment to the plans and the purposes of God that all the suffering that comes as a result of our sins. See, I'm talking about Old Testament here. If any, if anything, we have more grace in the New Testament. We can just say, oh, this is possible in the Old Testament, not... Come on, guys. In the New Testament, do we have less grace than Old Testament or more? Do we have the revelation of Jesus or did they have the revelation of Jesus? Do we have the presence of the Holy Spirit living in us or did they have the presence of the Holy Spirit living in them? What do we... Have? Who, who has more? Who has better? better access to the presence of God. Is it the Old Testament guys or the New Testament guys? It's the New Testament guys. You and I, we have more access into the presence of God. So if they were fools and they rebelled and they suffered for their sins, then it is possible that we can also experience healing and health and wholeness when we submit, when we live in obedience, when we walk with God, it is possible that we can be free of all the affliction, all the suffering that comes as a result of our disobedience. Amen? Now, I'm not saying that all suffering is because of disobedience, but I'm believing for our church to reach a place where we will be sickness free. Just like we are believing for sin free lifestyles, we are also believing for sickness free. Let's read the next verse. Verse 18. The Bible says, they couldn't stand the thought of Food, And they were knocking on death's door. See, check this out, okay? The Bible says that because of food, because they couldn't understand or process their desire for food. See, food is a basic need. I understand that. And in the same way, like food, we have a lot of other needs, right? It could be an emotional need. It could be a physical need. It could be a a, a financial need. And because of some of these needs... Sometimes we are now picking up a fight with God. What did they fight for? They fought for the fact that every day we have to eat manna, every day. You, you know, how you know if you, if you have kids in your house, you know, if you, if you don't have kids in your house, you wouldn't understand what I'm saying, but if you have kids in your house or if you are that kid in your house, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Every Everyday chapati, everyday rice. My, my son, he has a big problem with rice. Because he's like, you know, doesn't matter what you give with it, but the fact that there is rice anywhere in the, in the thing. Why rice again? I'm like, bro, this was our staple food for the last 30 years. You know, you're already bored in, in five years of your life. And that's exactly what these guys did. They're like, oh my God, manna dosa, manna chapati, manna manna, this, everything is manna. They, they got so fed up with manna that, you know, the Bible says that they couldn't stand the thought of food because of which now they were knocking. When they were, were not able to process this desire for, their, for, for variety, you know, because just think, think about this, okay? When they're getting manna, their, their meditation is on the cucumber they get in Egypt, <laughs> on the onions of Egypt. That's, that's their meditation. And because they couldn't process this well, now they were not just craving for better food. Now the Bible says because of that, they were standing on death's door. Can you imagine that because they couldn't manage a hunger better, because they couldn't manage this desire in their heart, in their life, it could be an emotional need that you have. It could be a physical need. It could be a financial constraint that you have. Because you couldn't manage that well, you made choices. You, you go in a way that is now leading you to death's door. And we think, oh, what will happen? I'm just asking for a better meal. I'm just asking for a different meal. What is so wrong about this? And, and I, I, you know, I'm just asking that you know I'll have a little more money uh, at the end of the month. I'm just asking that I'll have, you know, my, somebody to say I love you at the end of the day. You know, I'm just, I'm just waiting for some, some kind of satisfaction in this area of my life. Didn't God give me this desire? Yes. But if I don't manage it well, I can actually be standing and knocking at death's door because I didn't manage this hunger properly. So in this season, let me tell you this. It's not enough that I teach you to walk in healing. It is necessary that I also teach you how to stay away from rebellion because rebellion can automatically bring suffering. When you don't manage your desires properly, when you don't manage your hunger properly, when you don't manage your lust, your greed, all those areas of your life, when you don't manage that properly, you may actually be standing at death's door and you may be knocking the bible says the next verse verse 19 read with me lord help they cried in their trouble so 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 check this out okay first the bible says that they were fools they rebelled and they suffered you know because of their sins and then uh, the sin what was the sin that they they were constantly thinking about food and because of which they were now standing at the door of death and knocking right now the bible says they cried in their trouble lord will you please help and and the bible says the lord still reached out and saved them in spite of their disobedience in spite of their failure in alignment, in spite of them not being able to manage their uh, uh, hunger, their appetite properly, God still saved them. We have a prayer answering God. And God doesn't answer prayers because you qualify for it. Because these guys didn't. God didn't answer their prayers because of what Jesus did. Because Jesus had not died yet. See, you and I, we have the Confidence to go to God to pray and ask Him to forgive us because Jesus took the punishment of our sins. But these guys didn't have that confidence, and still the Bible says that when they cried to the Lord in their trouble, He saved them from their distress, He rescued them out, He pulled them out, He he redeemed them from their distress. Do you want to know how? Everybody tell me how. Come on, not, not like that. You have to, it has to be a loud how. Read the next verse Here comes the bomb for the day Verse 20 The Bible says that he sent out his word And healed them How did he do that? Sent a deliverer? Did he send money to them? Did he give them the different kind of food? And How did he heal them? The Bible says that he sent out his word and that word, it snatched them from the door of death. Yes, they were were knocking because they couldn't manage this desire. Now they were knocking at the door of death. But now the Bible says when they cried out in trouble, God gave them a word. See, when we cry out in trouble, we expect a solution. When we cry out in trouble, we expect somebody to come to our door with money. When we cry out in trouble, we expect somebody to practically come and hug us and you know, just you know, cause all of our sorrows and pain to but guess what God does? God says that I'm going to heal you, I'm going to provide for you, I'm going to touch you, I'm going to deliver you. But this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to give you a word. So your ability to walk in health and healing and wholeness and freedom and deliverance and and financial, emotional, physical, well-being will depend on your ability to decipher that word that has been sent to you. So many of us, we miss what God is speaking to us. We miss that word and consequently we miss the healing. It's not because God doesn't want to heal us. It is because we miss that word that God is giving us. We miss that promises that God is speaking over us. We miss that revelation that the Lord is giving us. The Bible says he sent out his word. Now, now, you have to understand this with me, okay? When we say he sent out his word, you know what we all imagine, right? That then heavens open up and then there was a voice from heaven that said, Dear Sijo, Joe, today I heal you you know that's what we expect that god sent out his word and then sijo heard that word and boom he got healed no that's not how the word came the word came in the form of a man called moses who gave them instructions and to the level that they obeyed moses they got healed the bible says that moses you know god told him why don't you make a bronze serpent and you set it up in the middle of the whole plague okay and Moses did this in the midst of the plague you know the the snake was biting everybody everybody were being uh, killed because of this plague because of their murmuring and Moses he did this okay this is not something that he has heard before none of his ancestors has done but he had heard from God and he came and he made that he erected a pole with a bronze serpent And the Bible says that everybody that looked at what Moses gave them as a solution, everybody that put their trust in that, they got healed. Which means there were others that did not do it. There were others that were like, hey, no, I don't care, man. Moses has lost it. And they died in their sickness. They died in that poison. They died. They remained in their rebellion. And they remained in their distress. And they remained in their trouble. And they perished away. But there were few that said, no. God has sent a word to my man of God. God has sent a word for my church. God has sent a, a voice. Now, my ability to walk in healing will depend on how much I'm going to be dependent. I'm going to be attentive. I'm going to be focused on what God is speaking. He may speak through a man. He may speak through a system. He may speak through something that looks like an idol. Bronze serpent. Do you know that later during the uh, king's times, this bronze serpent in fact became an idol and people were worshipping it. One of the kings had to go and smash it, destroy it completely so that people don't worship it. So sometimes God may use things that you don't, you least expect. But our healing will manifest when we are attentive to what God is revealing to us, what God is speaking to us. So in this season, if we have to walk in healing for ourselves, if we have to walk in healing for our community, our city, our nation, we have to to wrestle with God. We have to wrestle with our own flesh. We have to wrestle with our mind. We have to wrestle with our own spirit so that we can find out the sent word of God. The sent word of God that is snatching us out of the door of death. If I miss a Sunday service, I, I can still... Now, thankfully, because of the access that we have to technology, I can still go and get that word that was preached in church on a weekend I can still revisit that I can still you know some of you I, I know I, that some of us we, we may have worked in a night shift you know what happens when you work in a night shift and then you come to church the next morning what happens we fall asleep not during the worship right during the word you know see I, see, I, I'm, I'm used to it now okay but then when we have guest speakers you know they'll come into room that man who was sitting with that shade, say he was uh, sleeping during the service. I said, Yes, yes, yes. I, I know this. But thankfully, we can even if we miss a word when we, when, because we were not physically in church or because we we had a moment of weakness. Thankfully, we have access to go back to it and not miss it, not miss the sent word of God. So if we can research from Monday to Saturday, what is God speaking to me? What is God speaking to our church? What is God speaking to our city? What is the Lord speaking over my nation in this hour? If we can be attentive to hear that, then the Bible says that that sent word of God will now become my portion of healing, will become my rope that will snatch me, that will pull me. It will be the magnet that will push me away from the doors of death. Next verse, verse 21, the Bible says, let them... Praise the Lord for His great love and for the wonderful things that He has done for them. Now that we have received that sent word, now we have to be thankful people. Now we have to be people that praise Him. Now we have to be people that that understand the wonderful things that that word creates in us, that that word does inside of us and then we respond accordingly. The Bible says, verse 22, let them now offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and sing joyfully about His glorious acts. Why? Because I have a sent word of God. I have a word that is sent for me. Let me take you to this story of healing that we see in the New Testament It's a very familiar scripture Luke chapter 7 and verse 1 onwards we know this story we've understood we've read about this story multiple times but we'll go into it again the Bible says when Jesus had finished saying all this to the people he returned to Capernaum verse 2 it says at that time The highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick, okay? And he was near death. So the first thing that you see here is that this was not the Roman officer who needed healing. Okay, who was the one who was sick? His slave. Okay, and there was something that this slave did and had because of which the Roman officer could not, you know, be at peace. He couldn't just, you know, it's okay, if I lose one slave, I can buy another slave. No, the Bible says he was a highly valued slave. Okay, something that he did, something that he, the way that he worked, his lifestyle, his commitment, his loyalty, his faithfulness, this Roman officer didn't want to lose this. It says that this guy was near death. He was, was, you know, for whatever reason. His own mistakes or because of another David or something in his life. Now he's standing and knocking at the door of death. You remember the verse? Standing and knocking at the door of death. He was near death. He was sick. He was about to die. But, you know, he was not in a place to do anything. He was not in a place to pray. He was not in a place to fast. He was not in a place to reach out to Jesus. But... Because of his life, because of what he had done in life, there was, there was so much value that he created with his life that now, because of that value, the Roman officer did not keep quiet. Now, check this out, okay? It's usually the other way, right? It's the, it's the employees that's, that's supposed to work for the employer's favor, for the employer's blessing, right? But look at this. The employer is now going to seek and search so that the employee can be healed. It's the other way. The employer is now working for the employee. He's going and asking for help. My servant needs help. Is there any way that you can help my servant? Okay. So what did this guy do to deserve this healing? He was not necessarily, it's not just about his relationship with God. It was his relationship with the person that was his boss. You have no idea what your faithfulness to your boss can do for you. You know, we are, you, know, you know what we are looking for. If I have a Christian spirit-filled man of God who is my boss, then I... Tell me about this. How much spirit-filled was this guy? How spirit-filled was or how obedient to God? What does this guy know about Jesus. But this slave, he was so valuable to his boss that his boss is like, man, I, I cannot lose you. See, back in those days, it's not like, you know, they have any, uh, you know, HR department that is going to, you know, take his case if, if he just lets this guy die. No, nobody's going to question him. It's a slave. You know what's a slave? A slave is in complete possession of the master. The master can even choose to kill him if he wants to, Okay. So the master is not actually going to lose anything if he doesn't help this slave. But this guy had served his master so well that now when he had a need, his master was compelled, was obligated, was pushed out of his comfort zone to go find a solution for him. You know, like I told you last week, it's very easy for us to do this in our relationship with God. But it's harder for us to do it with people around us. And what we don't understand is that, hey, God is omnipotent, He is powerful, He is sovereign, but sometimes He uses the people, the most unexpected people, to bring that healing to us. And it's not because God doesn't want to heal you. It's because I have lost my favor with my, in my relationship with the one person who was supposed to bring me healing, with the one person who was supposed to go asking for me. I've lost my favor because I'm looking down on that guy. I'm saying, this guy doesn't read the Bible. This guy, you know, not not like the other believers in my church. I don't want to receive from, I don't want anything to do with this. And because of which now I have lost that opportunity to receive my healing. Check this out, okay? Read the next verse, verse 3. It says, when the officer heard about Jesus, what did he do? He sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and heal the slave. Check this out. Now, the officer, he heard about Jesus. Jesus can heal people, okay? He's been asking, hey, I have a sick person in my house. I have a sick person, you know, in my company. I need a solution for him. When he heard about Jesus, now he is appealing to somebody else, He's not going directly to Jesus because he doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. He doesn't know how to access Jesus. But he's now sending Jewish leaders to go and request Jesus. Let's read about this. Verse 4. So they earnestly begged Jesus to help this person. Who are these? The Jewish leaders. Okay. If anyone deserves your help, they said, he does. For he loves the Jewish people and he even built a synagogue for us. Whose problem was this? The slave's problem. He's about to die. But before he entered this sickness, he has lived such a high value life, such a high potential life that now his master is searching for healing for him. Okay, But the next portion that reads, it says that the master also didn't know how to receive healing, how to bring that healing. But through His life the master has been so generous he has been so kind to the people around him see not because he was a Jew not because he believes what these Jewish elders believe but his lifestyle has been so generous he's been so kind to these Jewish people I'm sure that if he was placed in India he would have been kind to the Indian people it's not because he had any special revelation just that he was a generous guy and the Bible says he even built a synagogue for these guys Because of which now When he asked for help These guys, they traveled to Jesus See, the Jewish leaders of those days Didn't particularly like Jesus They didn't like to be friends with Jesus They didn't like to, you know, be obligated to Jesus They didn't like requesting Jesus for help And yet, because this man asked them The Bible says they humbled themselves before Jesus And they went and they asked Can you imagine the value that that the slave, the kind of value that the slave had for the Roman officer and the kind of value that the Roman officer had in the eyes of these Jewish leaders? What am I trying to teach you? I'm trying to tell you that sometimes we think that, you know, my healing is all between me and God. But then there are vessels that God is going to use to bring that healing to us. There are vessels that God is going to, uh, you know, involve in our life. And how we treat these vessels, how we are generous to them, how we are kind to them, how we respect them or disrespect them, how we honor them or dishonor them will go a long way to decide if that healing will actually reach us or not. The Bible says this guy was so generous that that the Jewish leader said, if there is anybody who is worthy of healing, I, sh- I want you to understand this. Jews in general never respect Gentiles. When they wake up in the morning, back in the days, Pharisees, they would pray. Thank you for not making me a, a Gentile. Thank you for not letting me be born as a woman. You know that, These are the kind of prayers that they would, they would pray they would look down on the Gentiles they would look down on people that didn't have their class that didn't have their right and now can you imagine they are going to Jesus and saying if there is anybody who is worthy here is a man who is worthy will you please help him will you please I pray and I hope that you know there will be somebody who will vouch for you before God somebody who will vouch for you who will say no I, I, can, I cannot take no for an answer for this man. I'm willing to stand on my knees. I'm willing to fast for this person. I'm willing to pay money for this person's healing. I'm willing to stand and, and spend and do whatever it takes so that this person can be healed. I, I, I pray that we will, we will live a lifestyle that will naturally you know, cause people around us to, uh, to be blessed because of our lives. And that when we are in need, when we have our own challenges, when we have our, you know, stormy days, that we will not be left to be uh, to be fending for ourselves. There will be a church, there will be a family. You know, it's it's. see, you should understand, it doesn't work. I cannot make a rule here saying everybody should help everybody. But to the measure that you're helping somebody else, when your need comes, they will help you. They will fight for you. They will pray for you. See, these Jewish elders, they don't have so much money that they can repay the Roman officer they don't have so much influence that they can do something back for this Roman officer but they could pray to Jesus on behalf of this guy they had access to Jesus unlike this Roman officer and and there are going to be people who may not necessarily be able to help you financially but they could give you things that nobody else can So you need to invest into people. You need to serve the people around you. Where it sits, it says, so Jesus, it says Jesus went with them. No questions asked. Immediately Jesus said, okay, he did this, I should meet this guy. Jesus went with them. But just before they arrived at the house, the officer, he sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home. For I am not worthy of such an honor. Check this out. The Jewish leader said, if there is anybody worthy, then it is this guy. But he, 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 he sent some of his friends to the, uh, to, to the Lord Jesus and said, Jesus, please don't come into my house. If there is, I, I'm not worthy of this honor of you coming into my house. But this is what I want you to do. Verse 7. It says in verse 7, I'm not even worthy to come and meet you. It's not, I'm not being disrespectful by not coming there I don't think I'm worthy to come and meet you Because I'm sure that there are Jewish people Who would have told them Man, you are a defiled guy You are a nonsense You, you worship the idols There is nothing good that can come from you All of that he would have heard Now he is afraid of meeting this Jewish rabbi This holy man This pure man Okay? And the Bible says I'm not even worthy to come and meet you Then he says something That blows the mind of Jesus he says, just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. Yes. Just say the word from where you are and my servant. See, it's not like Jesus was not willing to go all the way. Okay, that, that he's like, if you cannot come, can you at least do this? Jesus was willing to come. Jesus was willing to do more than what he had asked. But, but he said, you know, I, I understand how you function. Will you just say the word from where you are? And in fact, what he does is he now explains in the next statement, okay? Verse 8. He says, I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they Go. Or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. Verse 9. When Jesus heard this, he Jesus was amazed. Is it possible to surprise Jesus? Check this out. Jesus heard this and he was surprised. He was like amazed. The the root word says he was one, he, he began to wonder. He began to be like, wow. He began to admire this man's courage and conversation and the expression of his faith. You know the story of Elisha and that that Shunammite woman. The Bible says that when the Shunammite woman came to Elisha, Elisha said, oh, your child is sick, right? Here is my staff. He gives the staff to Gehazi. And Elisha says, just go and place the staff upon The child and he shall be well But the woman says No That's not enough I'll not go till you come See Elisha has spoken the word of God Elisha has declared That the child will be well But this woman said No, 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 that's not enough I want you to come And just like she desired The Bible says that Gehazi, you know, he was a young man He ran faster than the old Elisha Okay, so he reached first he reached, he kept the staff on the child. Guess what? Nothing happens. Finally, Elisha had to come and you know, pray for the boy to be healed. Although the word was sent, the word had already gone, the prophetic word had gone that this is going to make your child well. But this woman, because she did not believe that, that limited what God could do in her life it actually didn't need Elisha's intervention. It didn't need Elisha to come. It was something that that staff could have done, that word could have done, that servant that came could have done. But this lady, she said, no, I'm not satisfied with that. I'm not satisfied with a prayer over the phone. I'm not satisfied with just a sermon. I'm not satisfied with just this, you know. You know, here is the man of God, the prophet, you know, and this prophet has the double anointing Like the previous prophet, right? The Elisha we're talking about You know, Elisha had double the anointing Double the spirit of what Elijah carried That is what is sent To this boy And she refuses to accept it Because she was not prepared She was not ready Her faith was not active enough And now here is the Roman officer a guy who has no clue about the Bible who has no clue about the word of God who has no clue about Psalm 107 that says that he sent his word and he healed them and he snatched them out with his word and he says would you just say the word Jesus I, I know who you are you are a man of authority and I, I, I don't know all the, all the scriptures but I know how authority functions I know that in authority, I I don't have to go and make my servants do it. I just have to speak a word, go and they go. I have to say, do this and they do this. And because I have that revelation of authority, I'm asking you, will you please use your authority? Will you please speak the word? Wow. Jesus, when he heard this, the Bible says he was so amazed Turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. I have not seen faith like this in all of India. Israel is a country, yeah. So that's equivalent to Jesus saying, I've not seen faith like this in all of India. Somebody that would trust implicitly, completely trust my word. Trust what I have sent their way somebody who would believe that and stand on it like, you know see, you should understand it's, it's a life or death situation this guy is about to die it's not like, okay, it's a good thing if Jesus says this and it works You know, that'll be a great thing he has gone out of the way to seek out for this healing okay, he's been asking around and, and he's been serving people and, and finally he goes and asks these people that he's been serving can you get Jesus to pray for us? And Jesus is now willing to come and pray. And he says, no, just send a word. And that word is enough to heal me. You know, this morning, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, the word is coming to you. The voice of God is coming to you. Day to day, every day, the word, the word of God is available for you. I'm not talking about reading the Bible, but I'm talking about hearing the word when you're reading the Bible. I'm not just talking about listening to a sermon, but I'm talking about hearing the voice of God when you are listening to a sermon. There is something deeper, there is something more that the Lord is revealing to you. If you can catch that, then you can say, just say the word, Lord. Just speak the word. Will you just say, and it will happen. It will come to pass. Peter, when he wanted to walk on the water, Peter told Jesus, Jesus, will you just say and I will come, and I will walk. And Jesus said, come. And guess what? Peter kept his foot, not on the water, but on the word that Jesus spoke. He kept his feet on the word, come, and he started walking on the water. Today, the Lord is releasing his word to you. The Lord is releasing His voice to you. Whatever you are going through, you are not doing this by yourself. The Lord is speaking His heart over your life. And He says, I am willing. I am trusting you. I am, I am there for you. I, I, I want to see how much faith you have. I want to see if you will amaze me. I want to see if you will impress me. I want to see if you will surprise me with your faith. It's not possible for us to surprise God with our with, with anything else but except by our faith. You know that if there's one thing that impresses God, it is not how much money you give to Him. It is not how much sacrifices you can do. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. The only way you can please God, the only way you can bring pleasure to God, that you can bring amazement, wonder to God is with your faith. If you and I, we can walk in faith. Faith, when that word comes, the way we respond to that word, the way we anticipate that word. See, here the word has not come. It's easier to trust God when he has spoken. It's easier to trust God when you have a revelation of what God does and what God is. It's easier to have faith when you have the voice of God. But there is a kind of faith that draws out the word of God. This man, this man, He's not saying, Jesus, you promised in your word 10,000 years back in the Bible. I've read it, I've studied it well, and I'm counting on that promise. No, he's saying, he's creating a new principle. He's not even saying, Jesus, I heard that somebody in Judea, you know, got healed like this, that you said a word and they got healed. No, he's like, I know how this works. Just say the word. And Jesus was like, wow, this is amazing. Read the next verse, verse 10. It says, and when the officer's friends, they returned to his house, they found the slave. What happened? What happened? Word was sent. Nobody saw it. Nobody could tap into it or nobody could, you know, catch it on camera. But a word was sent that snatched him out of death's doors that snatched him away that kept him out of death a word that was said jump with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 4 Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20 you know this is David he is speaking to Solomon his son who is going to consequently write this Proverbs he says my child do what? pay attention to what I say listen carefully to what? To my words Because these words These words carry blessing These words carry warnings These words they carry life These words It even carries a potential Of a promise And the potential of a curse So he's saying Be careful and pay attention To the words that come out of my mouth If you will do this Read the next verse verse 21. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. So, so you know, if you go back to Psalm 107, you would see that these Israelites, they constantly thought of what? Food. Now, God is telling these guys, hey, don't lose sight of what? Of my words. Don't Don't be constantly thinking about your desires, your needs, your challenges. You know, keep your eyes, keep your gaze fixed on my word. Don't lose your sight on what I have spoken. And you have to do it so often that these words now penetrate deep into your heart. It begins in your head. It begins with your physical ears. Like when you come to church and you listen to the word or when you're reading your Bible, where does it first register? registers in your eyes that eyes sends those you know information whatever you're reading it sends the information to your brain where it is processed and from the brain the brain is the physical brain right from the brain now it goes down to your soul to your mind you know your mind is different from your brain right and from your brain it now goes into the soul realm brain is the physical realm the flesh but from the brain, it now goes to the mind, which is the soul realm. Now God says, it's not enough that it reaches your mind and that you understand it. Now, let it penetrate deep into your heart. Which It's a process, guys. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. If You, you know how we read newspaper, right? Yes, so many people died today because of COVID. Okay, next news. India lost the World Cup. Okay, next news. That was a sad loss. (laughs) Trust me, that was a sad loss. We came so close. You know how we read information online, right? We can read a whole 10-minute article in 30 seconds. You know, we skim read. and, And that's how we read the Bible sometimes. The Bible says, now when the voice of God is coming to you, you cannot read or listen to it like, you know, all the other information. You cannot just keep going to the next article or the next verse or the, or the next meme or the next reel. You cannot keep scrolling. You have to let this word, let, let your eyes, let your gaze be fixed on this word till it begins to penetrate deep into your heart. Because this is what happens. Read verse 22. For they, what does it do? It brings life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Wow, I, I, I just felt the healing power go when we read that scripture. It says that they, they bring life to those who find them. See, everybody can read them, but not everybody finds them. Everybody can listen to the sermon, but not everybody finds the voice of God in that sermon. Everybody can attend a service. Everybody can get information about the Bible. But not everybody finds the word, the voice of God inside of them. The Bible says there are some who are going to fit, fixate on what God is speaking. They would fix their eyes, and they they would they refuse to be bothered by food. They refuse to be bothered by their needs. They refuse to be bothered by the reality of death that surrounds them. But they will fixate so much on this word that has been spoken to them that it begins to penetrate into their hearts. Now, now, when it goes deep in, now you find the word, the voice, the heart, the plan, the purpose of God in that word. And that word now begins to create life. See, see, check this out. It also gives life and it also brings healing. Life to those who find them. Now, some of us, we don't need healing, but we still need life. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, which means the flip side is true. That when I am only living by bread, that I'm actually dying inside. That when that when I'm only being sustained because I eat three meals a day, I'm actually dying on the inside without my knowledge. Because man shall not live by bread alone. So is it possible that my life can be rejuvenated every passing day? That when I'm getting old, I'm actually getting stronger. That when I am doing more work In spite of my commitment In spite of my struggles My ups and downs That I am becoming stronger Because I am, I am partaking of life Every passing day I am receiving the voice of God I am finding the truths Hidden in the word of God Because that word is sent for my healing And this word The Bible says The first category that it does Is it gives you life But there are those that have an ailment, physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever, brokenness, failures that are hurting, that are, that, are, that are tearing you apart, standing at the doors of death. The Bible says that same word, that was life to somebody else will now be healing to your body, to your whole body. It begins to bring healing. What, what brings, A physical medicine, I'm not against medicine, guys. You know, if you've known me so long, you know that I'm not against medicine. I'm not against science. I'm not against vaccines. I'm not against anything that is, that is done in the physical world. But my point is that man shall not live by bread. Man cannot live by what we do in the physical realm. You cannot be sustained by this. You know, we, 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 we trust in this. You know, it's very well-researched, Pastor. We know this bio bio food you know what is the latest thing organic right or, or is organic for you. Oh, man you your your life increases by 10 years if you eat this you know you come at me with the best of research praise God I'm not I'm not fighting that but I'm saying you cannot sustain your life with that to sustain your life you need something more deeper because we are not like animals we need food on the inside to sustain even our outside body the Bible says, see, the, the the verse that I want you to pay attention to is this. It, sa- it says that it's healing to their whole body. You know, don't let anybody say this, oh, no, no, it's talking about your spirit, you know. Oh, you will find healing only on the inside. Outside, you know, you can stay in sickness, you can... You go to death, no problem. But inside, no, you'll no, 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 it says to your whole body, which means my body, my soul, my spirit, everywhere I can find healing because I am now able to find what God is speaking. To those who find these words, to those who find the voice of God, I can experience healing in my entire body. Can we read the rest of the portion from here? It says verse 23, guard your heart Above all else, why? For it determines the course of your life. Do you, you know, you have to read it in context. What is the first thing? It says, pay attention, give ears to what I am speaking and don't lose sight of them. Let it now penetrate into your heart. Okay, because if it penetrates into your heart, if you find what it's written, if you find what is spoken, And that's going to bring life and that's going to bring wholeness and that's going to bring healing to your entire body, to your whole life. Now that you find it, now you need to guard that heart so that nothing else will begin to have the same level of access and influence in your heart the way that the voice of God has access in your heart. The problem with us is we come to church on a Sunday morning And we let the word of God penetrate into our heart. Then we go and we open Facebook. Then we let every Harry and Sally to influence our heart. Then we let every close friend, distant friend, Facebook friend, online friend, offline friend, everybody to speak junk into our heart. And then we are wondering, why is this healing not working for me? You know? Have you tried taking English medicine and Ayurvedic medicine and homeopathic medicine, all of that together at the same time? (laughs) God save your stomach. It's not going to work. If you believe that God is going to bring healing to your body with this word, then you have to believe and not let anything else affect you. I mean, I'm telling you that as soon as you get out of here, the enemy will and ask you a question. Hey, does it really work like that? Did God really say that you should not eat this fruit? Did, did, are you sure, Eve? Were you there? Did you, do you have it on recording? Do you, like, Is that what God actually meant? Can it also be interpreted like this? Can this be another? Come on, I'm talking like good Christians now, okay? Good Christians will come and tell you, wait, wait, wait. There is another way to interpret the same verse. It's not talking about your whole body. It's only talking about your... There will be other voices that will come and discourage you from receiving the healing that is your portion. Now, God says, hey, it's not enough that you take it into your heart. Now, it's necessary that you guard that heart that that has received this voice, that has received this life and healing because whatever goes into your heart determines the course of your life. It determines how successful you're going to be. It determines how healthy you're going to be. It determines how wealthy you're going to be. Whatever goes into your heart, not your qualification, not not how well you can sing, how great you can preach, not how qualified you are, how experienced you are at work. No, what goes into your heart determines how how well your life is going to be. Everything flows from there. So if you can protect, if you can just guard your heart, you can say, no, this, this movie, no, this movie I, I can't watch. I, not because, uh, you know, I, I want to look down on anybody else that watches, but my heart, I have just received something in my heart that is going to be defiled if I watch this movie. This place I can't go. This friendship, no, sorry, I have to protect my heart now. I have to protect what goes into my heart now. Because, because I have just been impregnated with the word of God. Something about pregnancy is this, that as soon as you become pregnant, the, the doctor will tell you, hey, now don't drink alcohol. No, don't, don't do this, don't do that. Because it can affect your child in a negative way. It can affect the growth of your baby. If you are constantly taking all the junk along with trying to sustain this life that is on the inside of you, you know, it can actually work against. So now, don't expose yourself to x-rays or all these radiation, anything that can harm the life that is on the inside of you. Don't put that at risk. So today I'm speaking to you. Has God spoken to you? Has God revealed His heart to you? You have to be, you know, like you have to work like a warrior to fight and keep that and protect the voice of God on the inside of you. Not let anything steal that Not let anything hurt that Verse 25 Look straight ahead Fix your eyes on what lies before you There is going to be constant temptation To look down, to look back To look sideways, to look at somebody else But the Lord is saying is look straight ahead Fix your eyes you, You've been given something to gaze at You've been given a voice You've been given a word to gaze at So, so fix your eyes The Lord is preparing you to receive that healing what lies ahead is healing. What lies ahead is life. What lies ahead is prosperity. What lies ahead is wholeness. So look straight ahead and fix your eyes on that. Verse says, mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on that safe path. Today when you go back home, make some lines, draw some boundaries around your feet. So there are, these are things that I'm not going to do henceforth. These are lines that I'm not going to cross. Mark out a safe path for you to walk based on the word that has been spoken to you. Based on what God has revealed to you. Mark out a path. The Bible says, Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. So can you imagine what happens? It begins with something that comes into your ears, okay? You remember? What what did we begin with? A word, give attention, okay? Now, from the ears, now it has to go down to your head to now your heart, okay? Deep into your heart and you have to protect your heart. Now, as as an effect, your feet, your eyes, everything that has to do with your life, every path you take now has to be guarded, protected. Because if you don't do that, automatically, your heart may be in the right place. You may have good intention. But, you know, you never know when you will, you know, step one foot outside. And thus end up defiling what's in your heart. Thus end up defiling where God wants to take you. So, you know, I'm not trying to be legalistic here, but I'm telling you what it says in God's word. Get out from church and mark a path for you to walk on based on what God has spoken to you. Based on what his word has revealed to you mark out a straight path put some boundaries put some limitations put some challenges on yourself saying no this week I'm not gonna give in to this this week I'm not saying yes to this I, I'm hungry I need some emotional validation I need this financial needs to be met these are real needs I have, because God has spoken to me, I am putting a boundary around myself. I'm not going to let my feet to get sidetracked. I'm going to let the word that has come to me now produce results, now produce fruit. Can I finish with the last scripture for the day? Let's go to Isaiah chapter 55. It says, the rain and snow, it comes down from the heavens and stay on the ground to do what? To water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. What I'm saying is right now when the word was coming to you, what was happening in the spiritual realm is that rain and snow has been coming down from the heavens and and, and it stays on the ground, our heart. You know, if you read the New Testament, Jesus explained that Our heart is the good ground. Okay, it stays on our heart and it waters the earth, waters our lives, and it causes the grain to grow. What is the grain? It's the seed that has been coming into your life as I speak. It causes that seed to grow. There is water coming from heaven, the grain, the seed is being sown when I'm preaching this word to you. And it says, This producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. If there is anybody that is hungry, that is hurting, that is in need for a healing, the Lord says there is bread available for the hungry, because there is rain and snow coming. Verse 11, He says, "Thus, it is the same with my word." God is saying in the same way that when a rain comes from heaven, it produces results. It produces uh, food, it produces grain, and it produces bread. God says that's how my word comes. This, when my word comes, when I send it out, it always, it always, I want you to believe that it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all that I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere that I send it. This is the voice of God, this is what God is speaking. It will prosper everywhere that I send it. It will prosper everywhere. Everything that I wanted to do, it will prosper. It will be so. It shall be done. Because my word, once I send that word, it is not going to go void. It is not going to be destroyed. It's not going to fall to the ground. Thank you for tuning in for today's sermon. We hope it blessed you. To visit us at dreamingrevival.com for more information. You are welcome to tune in every Sunday for our live celebration service at 11am at youtube.com slash pastor g God bless you and have a blessed week.